are. We're rolling. Uh, Alistair Hart and Ryan Barrenclaw. And we're talking men's business. We're just having a little little laugh. Did, uh, so did your girlfriend broke up with you, you said, because you weren't all up in arms about COVID? Uh, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> That's incriminating. <laughs> I'm going to say what didn't survive COVID was my relationship. Yeah. Okay. Like it came, what it boiled down to was a deep, uh, you know, what I would talk about a non-negotiable. And it was a, a, a deep incongruence with with values so core values and and the way we see the world working and the way we we believe the world to work and want to operate in the world and COVID flushed that up and it wasn't a it was it was just a parting of ways it was like whoa I love you and uh I don't think we're going to do life together oh, awesome so I can joke about it and say also yeah you know didn't survive COVID and uh yeah, just uh, COVID hasn't didn't didn't rattle me. I don't know this this. I was away for it, but it wasn't a, it wasn't it didn't bring fear for me. Yeah, and did you see like going through this process, or, or let's talk about exactly who you are, what you're doing, uh, and why we're even talking about uh, relationships and men's work. Mm. Okay, well uh, I'm Ryan Barraclough, twenty uh, nine year old white male. And from all the normal traits of that background, and I'm obsessed essentially with self-initiation. So I'm obsessed with reclaiming sovereignty, authority, and living a life designed by me in line with my dreams and what I want that to be. And self-initiation is the term and the package in which I uh, work that for myself and then share that with other men and help other men go through that. And that's yeah, essentially the process of owning our shit. Mm-hmm. And doing crazy stuff to gain perspective right. and then transmute that into something in the normal life. Mm-hmm. So we're tapping into our innate masculine and kind of earthly experience, but also getting stuff done in this plane, in this time and, you know, managing relationships. You said the word there, um, like checking in with yourself, doing the work and, and kind of clearing out your stuff mm. with that. Is that something that you've noticed like at, in the relationship space, like would you have had the maturity to kind of deal with the relationship you just spoke about if you hadn't gone through all this kind of work? Because obviously it sounds like you're spending a lot of time and energy focused on yourself. Mm. Uh, for me, there, for me, uh, as, as a common teacher we share says, the wounding happens in relationship. So that's where the healing has to happen too. So I see relationships often as a fast track for shit to come up and things to be handled. And then the caveat on that is I wouldn't be able to handle them, negotiate them or transmute the turmoil in a relationship into something good if I, when I'm not doing the self-work. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, uh, we're talking about Mark Bredner there as well. Yoga, yoga life coach. He, he was grilling me a little bit there a while ago. He was kind of calling me out on some things, you know, and he says the same thing, right? He's, for me, it's, it's, it's grounding, grounding it into life and actually being able to, to nourish those relationships that last um, because, mm. it, you know, that's the, that's the reflection. We, we create the fuel source for growth in relationships. So, and I, mean, and I think, yeah, I think like a good point to put on that is we're never out of relationship. So we don't have to be in an intimate monogamous relationship to be in relationship. I'm in relationship with my mother, my brother, my sister. We're in relationship, a mateship, whatever we want to call it. But we're always in relationship. And then the key one is with myself. Mm-hmm. And it's just other people tend to reflect what's going on for me a little more often than, than I'm willing to look at it myself. Yeah. 
I heard some, because uh, you've talked about it before as well, like the etymology of language, that looking at the roots of, of words and the origins of language. And what I found interesting about um, anything that has a ship on the end of it, it helps determine where we go or helps carry us through mateship, relationship, clanship, kinship, it's partnership. Um, it's what is kind of a container for us to get from point A to point B and are really important for our growth, which is kind mm, of that's cool. Yeah. So a bit of bit of metaphysical stuff in there, but um, let's let's yeah, go into the self relationship because that's kind right, of right, right, right. Don't you have to don't you have to introduce yourself? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Uh, so Alistair Hart, um, thirty year old surfing, worldly local Australian guy that um, ancestry is Celtic, Lebanese, and also I found one percent Italian. I did my ancestry mostly Irish, and uh, you can tell by the name Alistair Michael Thomas Hart. But um, <laughs> people look at me, it's, uh, it's um, look Egyptian or whatever, you know, which is, which is cool, which is a vibe. So, yeah, I help people um, get in tune with their heart and create a life that is soulful and vital and allows them to feel like they're connected to a sacred gift that is life uh, and find their own uniqueness in that. And, you know, a lot of the, the stuff that we do is similar. Like it was actually, I met Ryan, um, it was in the same community, but you know, I was always um, in admiration of his uh, his presence and also his kind of, he was quite adept at yoga and a lot of the mechanics of the body as a personal trainer and a few things. And I said, man, look, I want to do yoga coaching. Like where, where can I go to do that? And he said, look, you know, I've got this matey that's a teacher of mine that's going to Bali. We'll do a, you know, five or six weeks there if you can. And next thing you know, we became room buddies and it was kind of going soul surgery, right? With five, five, six, seven weeks of, of being in a Sangha community of everyone kind of doing soul surgery on themselves and opening themselves up. Yeah, man, there's no escaping. Yeah. That's like, that was the other funny thing. I've, I've never gone through Bali with a training in Bali with Mark. I've never, I, I'm yet to go through a training and have a relationship survive. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I go to Bali, I lose a fucking girlfriend. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, but you know, we always end up a single, a single fin at the end of the trip. Having <laughs> a few big things, yeah, indeed, yeah. I love that so much about the like. That's the thing. Like from the outside, when I met you, I thought you were like this real alpha, you know, kind of. As, as you said to me, your approach was uh, default. Um, everyone's a dickhead, you know. So uh, then when you get to know you, you're a big teddy bear, and you actually encourage yeah. me throughout the course of that program to like you know, get in touch with myself. It took me like five weeks to shed a tear and be like, oh, this is, you know, but everyone was encouraging and, you know, like kind of opening up the hood of your own psyche and our mm. subconscious programming and starting to feel comfortable pulling out the wires, you know. Mm, totally, man. Yeah, it's like being a man is for me is like the whole spectrum. There's no like this, I'm not really, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this another time, but just dropping all these labels of toxic or healthy or wounded or healed. It's like just being a man, like who the fuck are you? And, and, and establish that and we'll go from there. Mm. So let's dive into that. Like in terms of being a man, uh, we, mm. we kind of discussed the idea of like looking at the world today and seeing everything that's going on. And I'm, I'm a big receiver of, internalizing everything in the entire world so create on the inside and the outside gets changed focus on the self and the external gets changed 
So when I, when I look at the world, I see just an amazing resource for men in particular to be able to go in and to heal and to focus and to work and to play and to kind of roll their sleeves up and clear out the distortion within the male psyche that I see is ultimately a massive projection in the world today. Is that something that, you know, we can get into? <laughs> oh, we can, definitely, we can definitely get into that. Yeah, we can definitely get into that. <laughs> All right. Ready, set, go. <laughs> it's a, I agree, I totally agree on that. I agree it's a reflection of the internal projection, both individually and then on a, you know, two-person scale, three-person scale, and, and then a collective scale. Uh, I also, yeah, so yes, I agree. And then there's also the, uh, you know, because that's a fine line because then people turn around and be like, well, that's just your reality. It's like, well, yes, but also, and, yes, and, like I'm a big believer in yes, and, yes, and people are also sufferingly, suffering a huge amount because of that. So, and then someone might turn around and go, well, that's just their uh, projection of their internal reality. It's like, yes, and we also have a timeline in which karma, action, reaction is constantly playing out, which we're both creating and subject to. So the actions of people in the past are impacting the present and now my actions now can impact here and the future. So there's, for me, it's definitely a yes and. And it's like, you know, cause where I have once, you know, became felt like once we were both becoming aware of ourselves and, and the teachings of how we initiate ourselves into the world, you know, obviously connecting into different first nations communities and, and starting to see what the framework is for a man or what it means to be a man and how to, you know, I'm a big believer of, you know, if man is well and his family is well, then the world is well, the community is well. And that's kind of the, the cascading effect of, you know, if we can f focus on clearing our channel, like a big part of it, I see the work that we do is like, or anyone does when they focus on the self is, it's just feeling the incongruencies that are causing, um, you know, blockages physically in the body, emotional um, challenges, things that aren't resolved, things that aren't incongruent with our heart and soul, that, that aren't in alignment with, we can say, our truth, or we feel like we're, we're wearing somebody else's clothes, where we're not living in our own truth. And when we're doing that, we create tension, we create um, anxiety, we create stress, we're, we're worried about what other people are doing instead of playing our own game. We're playing the court on other people's side rather than just focusing on ourselves. And, and I see that as a massive opportunity, like to have a bit of a framework. And that's what yoga taught me. And I know you shared a lot on it was like the yogic sciences are a system of understanding the body as a system and seeing these blockages or tensions as actually karmic patterns. And, you know, if we go even how they get encoded in the chakra system, which is, you know, organs, segments of the spine and glands, like we can see how we can store uh, our mm. challenges and our, our, you know, quote unquote trauma in our body. And then really the thing is we just got to get in there like a mechanic and start kind of panel beating them out with a bit of TLC. <laughs> totally, man. And like to break that down even simpler, when people want to understand like the relationship between body energy and mind, if someone jumps out and gives you a fright, what does everything do? The body clenches, the mind goes fuck and the energy completely stops. So it's not even rocket science. It's not some airy fairy out there, like esoteric thing. It's literally that simple. It's like that happening throughout the day on varying levels in which we are aware and aren't aware. 95% of the time we're not aware of it. Right. So it's like, that is the relationship we're having with the environment. And 
it's then the environment depends what you believe if this is just a one-time thing or we come back and whatever your whatever someone's belief is on that mm. but it could be just this one time so it's like for me it's like well fuck better make the most of this one time or if it's coming back time and time again well i better make the most of this time because i might not have to come back next time <laughs> so it's like win-win like how like for me a biggest framing it is win-win how do we how do we keep getting into a situation where this is spiraling in, in the right direction? And uh, yeah, being a man, I agree, man. Like, like the, the, and another simple way I see it is like, well, so I break it down into three ways when I'm working fellas. It's like self-knowing is the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, and like, then people talk about the base chakra and that's all to do with fear because we fear what we don't know. So if we lack confidence, we lack self-knowing. We've got to go into the fear to find out who I am. And once I know who I am, then I can start to control the beast. Uh, the beast of being me. Because it's like there's a fucking wild animal who wants to do crazy shit and also wants to be held and, and loved and, and, and wear my Udi that's keeping my feet warm. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and, yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's this self, no, like self-control, but I can only start to control what I know. And I need to know me if I want to put some like, reins around this and start to direct it. And then from there, self-worth starts to build. And you'll, you'll, I'd say you're more on the energetic side of this than me. And it's like um, safety, control, and worth are the three chakras, three bottom chakras, energy centers, whatever people like to call them. And I, I'm only going to make decisions that actually serve my worth if I know who I am and what I need. So if I know who I am and I'm in, in control of who I need, then I can start to make decisions that feed my worth, not at the expense of other people. And then the cycle starts to stop and I can start to live in my heart. I can start to... Like, ah, yeah, I'm okay being me. I'm okay with this. And then the whole, like, if I know who I am, there's no way I'm going to treat other people like shit. Like, if I have a good sense of self-worth, I'm not going to, like, as I become aware of things I'm doing that affect other people, I'm going to start to mitigate that. You're building that foundation of yourself. You're, you know, it's built on your values. It's congruent. It's, you're climbing that ladder of energy because when you're building up that, self or that that because it's energy we're energy when we're building up that awareness of ourselves it starts to come out into life you see people that are glowing you see they're vital you see they're clear you see they're calm you can hear in the way that they speak that there's this beings coming through and it's when we kind of clamp up on that or, or we don't listen to it that it gets a little bit distorted or or out of whack yeah it's like that no deep knowing just not trusting like trust, trust comes from knowing and, and, and trust comes from re- repeating a cycle of listening to ourselves or receiving what we're, what we're meant to be hearing. And going into the fear, hey, like, you know, that's always a, <laughs> that's a whole, that's a whole uh, conversation in and of itself. But that's kind of what I see, like on the back of that relationship conversation, like there just seems to be so much fear at the moment in the world, like palatable fear of, of people, whether it's the economy or, or this virus or race or like even what you've started sharing about, you know, white privilege or being this, this experience of, or am I, am I going to stay in my lane here? Or am I going to kind of say what's on my heart and put myself out there and be vulnerable and be subject to the, you know, the slings and arrows of everything? Totally, man. I'm just going to stop that beeping. Um, yeah, like the fear, following the fear was the first thing I, um was the first, like I started creating little codes to live by for myself when I was about 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first two were, oh, there was three. Uh, one, like one had to do with, if I said something, I would do it no matter what it, 
what expense so because i had this like talking myself out like big shot like All big claims so then i just start thinking myself, yeah. <laughs> but i just started saying so i forced myself to do it so i just learned to shut up and then um <laughs> the second yeah second one was like i wasn't enjoying life and i was like had all these things I wanted to do, but there was all these invisible social restrictions or etiquette restrictions or life restrictions I was imposing on myself and blaming the world for. And I just started following the fear. Mm. If something scared me, I'd do it. Mm-hmm. And like, it was just fucking revolutionary for me at the time. It was like, whoa, my whole life is changing. Everything I want to do, but I'm scared to for some unknown reason. Like I ideas around it now, but it was revolutionary, man. Like just following the fear is paramount i feel and fear is different to danger danger is stepping in front of a bus i know what will happen fear is i don't know what will happen and i'm like following a thread where i don't know the end of the cord and the resistance to it mine's always is the resistance is the way it's like because at the end of the day we you know for that karmic aspect or we we're expansion we are naturally an expansive energy and we want to continually grow and if we're not growing into the areas of our fear then we're not really growing so it's kind of it's like once you get that bead back, that's like ding, 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 like a danger, oh, you know, not a danger, but fear. It's kind of like, oh, really? This is where I got to go. You know, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get the headlight on. Oh, no. <laughs> no. It's like, oh, it's a good example for me has been the fear of the perceived fear of leaving a relationship that I didn't like mm. over the discomfort of staying there. Okay. So, like, being in a relationship that I didn't want to be in, this is when I was younger, like being in a relationship I didn't want to be in. I knew I didn't want to be in a relationship, but the perceived fear of leaving the relationship and dealing with myself was way more. Yeah. So it was like, ah, I need to go there, but I'm just going to stay in the comfort of, of this for as long as I can, you know, tolerate until I make myself sick. Totally. For me, it was the other way around. It was, you know, comfort in being the hermit or the hedonist but then fear of the commitment to the relationship and, and allowing that to be the container for, for more growth you know and i guess that's we all we all have our kind of patterning or and that the biggest thing i've learned about all this inner work is once you're aware of your blind spot you can't use it as an excuse like it's 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 once you're like oh you know that's this is why i'm like that it's like no 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 as soon as you know like that something's going on like a pattern's occurring in your life it's like all right, well, we got to change that if you want to change it. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the big challenges of becoming a man is learning blind spots and then being willing to own up to them. So I can definitely use my blind spots still to negate and avoid and, and, and like cop out. I, I can see it. And that's the, ch- like, that's like the edge of, I guess if I was going to give, you know, a practice for being a man for myself, it's like, am I going to use that? Am I okay? Like, am I going to be, okay to use that and to use that cop out when i know it's a cop out like once i have awareness and i can choose the better option like that for me is the is the boy man debacle of boy choosing safety security and comfort over man choosing sovereignty mm-hmm. so that self-governance of like there was a brother that shared he was the a police officer that was sharing how he didn't feel that what was happening in the world was right this was before all the riots and stuff started happening and he was a former military guy. And I really love that warrior aspect and that integrity and that sense of duty within, within men and women that are in that field or anybody. But what I loved about that is he said, um, 
you know, if I'm going to put myself out there and say it, like I'm going to make this video and I'm going to post it on YouTube or wherever. And once I do that, I've got to feel comfortable to go and then and die on that hill. Like if I'm going to go out there, then that's it. Like there's no turning back. I'm not going to pull it down. I'm not going to kind of stand. I'm going to stand in my truth. And even, you know, I've started to notice that sometimes with myself where I kind of wince and wane, I'll go out and I'll say something and then I can start to feel the waves are crashing. And it's like, it's like, no, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. And then other times yeah, it's like, oh, cool. eject, you know. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, I <clears throat> totally agree. And even when someone, if someone's coming at me and slamming me, I don't delete comments. I don't, uh, it's like, yeah. Like for me, it's like, if I'm willing to say that, hey, I deserve to have my truth and my opinion, then they deserve to have theirs as well. Even if it's personally attacking me, like I've put up some some interesting questions during during COVID because in Australia, it's been, if people listen around the world, it's, yeah, there's been some questionable decisions by the powers of be considering the state that we're in by, by my opinion. Yeah. And like, I put up a question and the first thing I got was just a straight up insult. Like you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, huh? Okay. Thank I just wrote, thanks for the feedback. Yeah. Like, and like, yes. And like, thanks for the feedback. And have you thought of this? Yeah. Uh, so, totally. I think this is one of the biggest issues at the moment is political correctness is yeah. rife. Yeah. And no longer can we have a debate, which is one of the key fundamentals for finding truth. And evolving a civilization. Yeah, it's like either agree or shut the fuck up. And even if you agree, don't agree too much. Yeah, yeah. And we need warts and all. You know, I see this now. It's, you know, yeah. And especially within within ourselves, like, you know, when we were just talking before, I felt like this, this quote came up of, um, it was like, to know, to be capable of great peace means to also know how to perform acts of violence or to be content and harmonious means you also have to be aware of your capability for destruction. And yes. you know, which is this yin and yang, like, you know, we're, we're full spectrum beings without getting too cosmic. Like even the word human is, is the word hue of the spectrum and light and man is, is where this fully oscillating, you know, the lover is the lover, but then there's the warrior and there's the person that's going to go and, you know, ravishly make love to their partner but then there's a person that's going to go look after their kids or the man that's going to go and, and tend to the gardens the same man that's going to go build the house or, or you know do a job like there's we have these different facets of ourselves that i see a lot of men in particular projecting only like aspects of it like there's a there's been a real like cutting the balls off of manhood I see publicly like there's a flaccid nature of of manhood at the moment it's not just the whole whitewashing of love and light like this super hyper it just doesn't seem like it's grounded and rooted in that sense of of kind of that gut kind of just fortitude and I guess that's just kind of we've kind of skipped ahead like there's been this massive expansion of consciousness but then it's been really intellectualized. It hasn't really been integrated. Oh, it's so fucking stuck in the head. It's ridiculous. And it's hyper-emotionalized. It's hyper-masculinized. It's like a, it's either someone, it's like a fucking wringing out a wet towel of a man or like these ridiculous, like demonstrations. Like where's the fucking balance? Like, I'm totally with you, man. Even, even a lot of the treatment around me is just completely intellectualized. It's Mm -hmm. applying old models to new issues and thinking it's going to solve it. I, I like wholeheartedly agree that it takes being a man is messy. Mm. You know, I wrote the other day about failing forward. It's having the courage to fuck up. 
Uh, it's having the courage to completely fail and that being the success, that being the obstacle, being the path as you talked about before. And this dynamic of like being so pure, like we're getting like super pure and super like toxics, like this, it's like, no, this is, this is life in here mm-hmm. and trying to live. And I, and I also have compassion for it because it's being, and I've been there and, and, and I know you have too, it's being so lost and looking for an answer outside of myself and oh my God, it must be that I need to learn what my king archetype is and, I, and then I'll be happy. It's like, oh, like I've been down all those roads and it's like, ah, oh, okay, it's, it's all of the above, but the really it's not me. We're the full arcana, like the full tarot, where, where all of the characters, you know, and, yeah. and that kind of, where that middle point, like there's that um, ancient Vedic, but it's universal in so many languages and traditions is like the symbol of the circle and then the Bindu point of the dot in the middle, right? Which is kind of everything. And then inside of everything is, is yourself. And, and the mm-hmm. further that we move out into the either direction is the polarity, whether it's north and south or out and in or up and down, you know, it, once we kind of start to move further away, we're, we're always going to then snap back to the other side because we kind of, we want to equal equalize what that experience is, you know, and kind of mm. being, being comfortable to, to allow yourself that experience, but then remembering, you know, that you're everything and not having this, like, I know when I was doing my work and we talked about the spiral earlier um, with kind of Dane Thomas and those guys and, and, and girls and, and non-binary <laughs> And what was interesting... Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. make sure you say fucking everyone, otherwise I'm going to call you out. <laughs> I don't know the rest. <laughs> oh, and you call yourself a fucking... The sim- what, you know, yeah. you know it's, I know that spirit is androgynous because to be androgynous is to create life and then from that descends and cascades into masculine and feminine and form and everything. Like This is the duality of life. Um, and I get it. Like, you know, I get that whole conversation. Um, I'm internalizing it all for myself first before I kind of, is it true for me? And obviously that's when I share from a place of truth, but in terms of that experience of like, you know, what came up for me when I was doing the spiral early on was like this whole shame and guilt aspect of, of the experience. Like you go and do something cause you want to, you know, you've got this energy inside of you as a man to go and do it. And then you go and do it and afterwards you're like, whoa, you know, it's done now. Um, yeah. You keep going. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. And I just kind of see that as like, you know, there's, we have all of the elements in us. We have the air, you know, the fire, the earth, the water. And you talked about this recently and it's like, it's balancing all of those. Like if your fire's way out and the water's not being nurtured, like it's about finding that and kind of, knowing when to channel that energy so if the energy is arousal or if the energy is aggression or if the energy is like it's completely normal as a man to feel rage and anger but then using that as a vehicle of transmutation to put it into something rather than um you know alcohol or yourself or, or allowing it to compress in the body and not dealing with it there's two things that yeah, I hear. And there's two things that, uh, that comes up for me is first is, uh, what do you want? Like, what does that person want? So if someone's got rage and anchor and they want to be an alcoholic, then putting it into alcohol is a fucking great thing to do. Yeah. Don't go to the gym. Like, let's be real. If someone wants to be a crack addict, fucking buy crack, use your rage and anger to earn money to buy crack because you want to be a crack addict. And that's also 
a part of this spectrum that's a part of this place i don't i don't have the i don't have the jurisdiction to judge on that mm-hmm. and then the second thing that um oh, i forgot what it was but it was oh, i forget how free will there though on that earlier point like the, if it's all choice right this is a free will universe like whatever you choose that you want to be like you're self-governed and and that's the greatest thing i like now about being a bit of a paradox for people like the person that sits in the ashram is equally as as conscious as the being that's sitting in the gutter just of being a wino you know like we're spirits yeah. we're conscious you know there's no separation <laughs> that's that vedic teaching like do you never know who shiva is today like Shiva being the all being, the God, the Allah, whatever it is, but never know who Shiva is today. Like treat everyone like they're Shiva, treat everyone like they're, or Ram Dass, everyone treat everyone like they're God in drag. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, so I, that yeah. I wrote um, this week and I'm putting this little ebook together and I talked about just the religious traditions. And I said, you know, if, if the second coming was to come again today, Jesus or Muhammad or first time or whatever it is, you know, if it's Jesus, for example, he probably wouldn't go back into the houses of worship that are worshiping him now. And he would probably be a complete rebel against the traditions that have been built up against him and probably would be quite persecuted for it, you know, and this is the kind of political correctness or this kind of people worshiping the external when they're not integrating the internal, I guess. Man, I have like a total, like, um, like there's my military wet dream, which is that the revolution is going to start and I can finally be a part of the military and like be like, yes, and go to war and do all that stuff. There's still a part of me that like loves that idea. Like, just like, oh, that is hardwired into it, you know, as, as men. But then within that is also like um, Chief Freddie, who's, who's a chief of the Native American church that kind of provide, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm following that path as one of my paths and, and, you know, he says, look, if you're going to go into the military, because he shared a story of this, of this mother in, his, in Pueblo, in Mexico, that came to him and said, you know, um, my son wants to join the military. Um, so he went and, and met him and, and he just spoke with him. He's like, you know, are you comfortable to, like, do you want to become uh, your nervous system to be completely rewired? Do you want to become brainwashed? Do you want to be your diet to be completely changed? Do you want to be addicted to different medications after life? Like, do you want to have these experiences that are completely going to fully rip you apart as a conscious being, put you back together and send you out into the world to do something? And then, you know, this 16, 17 year old kid was like, well, no, not really. And he's like, okay, then it's probably not the, the path for you, you know, because that's kind of how I see these, these beings, these archetypes that are going out there and, and, and getting a job done. Um, you know, it's, yeah that's why i want the revolutionary one to happen because it would be like we'd be shooting people with rainbow lasers bro <laughs> oh you mean the light worker revolution i've seen you down south with the crossbows and getting the kindling together and the spike light <laughs> you and like yeah. we, that's important we're prepared over here man you just you go back we've got we're prepared yeah, it's good. I've been looking at um, eco villages and trying to sort out, you know, what's the first chip to get on the table to then convert that capital into something sustainable and obviously getting lands a priority. And I see what a really uh, powerful thing here is the community is starting to share the conversation now because the ability for someone to go and buy a plot of land as an individual with three or four, 500 plus K. Um, but share between say five or six or 10 people, all of a sudden it becomes more tangible. And I start to see that that's something that's going to be 
you know, pollinating more and more as we move into more uncertain times. Yeah, man, I agree. It's super necessary. So who knows? We might, you know, this in 20 years, 10 years, five years, we pull this up and we're already well on the way of, of providing these kind of going back to communities, rewilding, re-earthing. Yeah. Yeah. Just coming back to like an essential aspect of our true nature. Uh, there's, we, are, we are hardwired on every level to coexist and thrive based off nature. So not even in nature, based off it. Like, the, you know, the, the driving factor of our virility, essentially, of staying virile as a human is exposure to the elements because the body knows when it's in hard conditions, it adapts and it upregulates. So if we stay cushioned for too long, the system goes, ah, don't need to upregulate don't need to do this we're beings of efficient of like of efficiency not efficacy so we adapt to where we are hence like wim hof coming in ice baths mm. the reason it's so popular is because now we're so kept in such cushioned places for the majority when we do expose to the reality of what keeps us healthy we need to do it at hardcore levels which yeah. i love because I, I like extreme shit yeah but we need to do it at hardcore so it's this balance you know when we were living in harmony on and with the land we're being regulated by the system so we can kind of go with it now i really appreciate the necessity for infrared saunas at high heats ice plunge bars at fucking low heats uh spending time in without food spending time without the without the natural occurrences without rubber on the soles of our shoes and and getting plenty mm. of vitamin d like and that's a big thing i work with and we both do with with a lot of corporate clients or people that spend a lot of their time you know, either in the sedentary lifestyle where they're sitting down or they're in front of a computer a lot or even getting people to breathe like into the diaphragm and, and starting to kind of, you know, do light fasting or, or you know, dry, dry brushing or cold showers, like just this priming of the human body, like, you know. Yeah, and that's a revolutionary act. There's, what was that study on depression? And it said, you know, if once they started going to cold exposure, uh, they were able to immediately shift their state, you know? So it's the same as high intensity workout. If you're oh. not mentally feeling well and you start getting the prana going into the body, all of a sudden you're like, what was I thinking about? Uh, one of my mates explained that to me the other day, uh, the cold therapy. So the serotonin pumps throughout the system and exposure to high temperatures activates those pumps, higher exposure to end range temperatures activates those pumps and pumps the happy hormones around the body. Yep. And then boom. It's like, oh, I feel good. We're, we're endorphin making machines, right? So it's... Oh, man, next level. I see that as a big part of, you know, what we can each do moving forward, right, in this world at this time is, is just focus on your health, focus on your immune system, focus on your body, create that mind, body and spirit connection, start to still yourself down and, and get yourself into a space that, you know, if everything's well, what I say is everything's well for you, your personally, your life, no one's taking food out of your mouth. You don't have the Rona. You're not being, you know, vilified in the streets physically or, or any of the things that are happening on this earth plane. It's, you know, it's such an intense experience in different places. But if your immediate reality is well, that's all you need to focus on. You know, you don't need to kind of keep diving <coughs> the bad news or, um, you know, wormholes of the internet of conspiracy theories. Like, and I noticed that within myself, like I've kind of closed off a lot of the portals that I had opened over the last few years um, that were just kind of like drilling into my psyche of 
stuff that wasn't really useful for me at the moment. Like it's not going to build me up. It's going to, it's going to actually take me down. Yeah. I think, yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying and agree. Like, uh, so, um, like we have to self being selfish leads to selflessness. So no one, it's pretty much impossible to make a good decision from a state of fear, from a state of high anxiety or stress. So that means if the nervous system is highly wired, the brain does not have the capacity to make clear thinking decisions. So if we apply that to life, if we don't have a, a steady ship, if we don't have a, a steady homestead or it's not calm, then it's very hard to be engaged in the world in a clear and compassionate way. So we're only adding to the issues of those who don't have the privilege of this situation being calm by not looking after ourselves. And then and like, and from there, as Sadhguru talks about, it's like when, when, when I see a need, I fulfill the need because I have the resources because I've made sure that I'm operating at a level that is useful for myself and those around me. And then, so it's like, yeah, once it's good here. And then for me, I always notice, oh, okay, there's a need there. So I'm going to apply myself to that need and see if I can be of service. And that's all you can ever be in that moment to moment, like what's being asked of me now, which is where responsibility comes from, right? Like it's your response and your ability to respond to the experience, you know, and if that's walking down the street and, and giving someone, you know, a jacket that you could give or supporting someone that needs you, if they call you or you see them, you know, these things that you can manage in your own life and kind of putting your, um, safety mask on first before trying to fit somebody else's. But I see a lot of people trying to fit other people's, you know, stuff focusing on the projection rather than just kind of and everything's going to be fine. Just focus. Yeah. I, Mm, I get it. And I get that. I get, it. I have a lot of compassion for it and I still do it and I still go into it and I still get riled up and get st stuck into it. And then I have the experience. I learned the lesson. I go, okay, so that, that means something to me. And actually how can I, like, if I look at my life from a objective, it's like, right, this is kind of what I've been born into. This is what I've have doorways that are going to open easy for me. This is what I can build resource wise. And if I can use my situation, mm -hmm in response to the system, uh, I can then increase my resources. And once I have more resources, I can share and I can continue sharing my resources for now, because as you said, I'm never missing a meal, all these things. So I'll try and do that. And then widen that network of support. That's for me that at the moment, that's what I believe like the end that the game is. Totally. And it doesn't have to be a massive network. It's just a few core pillars, you know, and that builds everything, you know, and yeah. I heard someone sharing like a really beautiful analogy of the time that we're in. It's like, imagine we're all in a wave pool and yeah. the wave pools, the mechanics of, of it are always going to be coming out. And the people that control the larger mechanics are up kind of pulling the levers and so forth of the entire system that we're in. And while it's important to exercise our rights and be able to kind of fight against the waves, it's going to really tire us out when the best thing that we can do is actually to build like a little moat or a castle above the wave pool or start to kind of create some flotation for ourselves so that we can start to kind of not be as, as subject to, you know, the, the, the tremors that are moving through the life. And I see that as a big thing is, is as you said, is, is focusing on your immediate community uh, is also focusing on your financial like rigor, like getting yourself set up in whatever mechanic you can in terms of, and being adaptable to it to be like, okay, well, you know, I'll do this and this job and this job and I'll also do this, but I'm constantly pouring it into developing out a vehicle of, of, of currency for myself 
and you know as a young man and this is a big thing as well like so many people tie their self-worth into what's in their bank account you know mm. and it's i see it as an opportunity now because everything's being reset like if you haven't set up a bit of a path or got comfortable in change and comfortable with discomfort and as you said, like a big thing that I tried to resist was learning, like upskilling myself. It's like, oh, I'll try and get someone else to figure out that website stuff. Or oh, I don't want to do that. Or, but now I realize like at the end of the day, it's, it's all on me and I can outsource some things. But if I'm incentivized to create the vision and create my life, then I'm going to be motivated to learn those skills. Hmm. So maybe that's what we can leave some people with some, you know, as you said, when you started off, like getting people in alignment with themselves, getting their plan of attack and getting them to move it out into the world. It's kind of finding what lights your fire and, and gets you moving. Totally, man. And yeah, like what lights the fire is massive. And essentially, like for me, our history is, our, is also our map for, for our, you know, our wounding to wisdom. What are the recurring lessons? What am I not looking at? If that's what you mean by like figuring out who, who someone is. It's just such a big question. Like, who am I? Like everything and nothing. Let me click the quiz. What enough for you? It's like fuck, like a daunting question. I don't know what we should leave them with. That you, yeah. you decide that. Totally, totally. Well, I think uh, we'll just leave them with you know peace, love, and brown rice, right? Peace, love, and mung beans. Yeah, <laughs> nothing useful. Just uh, an inspirational quote to help you through your evening. Yeah, no, it's a bit cheesy. I got I got a housekeeper knocking on the door. Um, <laughs> Don't realize I'm wearing any pants. No, I'm wearing pants. There's <laughs> <laughs> a right, video right. going on. Um, beautiful, brother. I appreciate it, Ryan. Let's uh, lock and load for next week and uh, I'll get this up and ready and we'll keep it rolling. Let's love, bro. Stay safe. Speak soon. Thank you. Fantastic. Good to speak to you as always.